Tevin, and this is Darren Wood. Nice and to see everybody. Welcome to this week's news and tabletop. We got three big things for you, three highlights. This is all you need. We're going to keep it to like 10 minutes so you can get on with your day. Yeah. Um, one, literally an hour, two hours ago. Yeah. The OGL uh, news has come out, and D&D has said they're just going to leave it alone. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anything's ever been so negatively received. <laughs> it's it's so funny because they were they, – the thing is, is there's so many people that have covered it so well, but right. they said, hey, we're not going to touch it. We, you, we heard your survey results. Mm -hmm. You said stop, and we did. Okay, great. Do you think it's really going to stop, though? How, how real do you think this is, or do you think Hasbro's just like behind the scene, just like biding their time, you know, rubbing their hands together? Yeah, I think this is going to cause a, a shakeup. I think they're going to have to really explore other monetization methods. Yeah. Um, and a company like Hasbro, they, a lot of their money comes from license, um, and I think they're going to have to try to find ways to like expand on that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the audience is going to allow them to get away with it um, yeah. if, if they're going to try to do something like that. I think you're going to see people really um, uh, combative to anything they try to do. Yeah, I think this is like a classic case of like the old guard, you know, trying to do things the usual way mm -hmm. and it not being received mm -hmm. on the newer generation. I mean, you can see this in things like uh, WB's like handling of their uh, whatever DC extended universe, yeah. right? It was a bunch of old suits trying to do things the tried and true way when it's like that was not what the fandom was demanding. Yeah, and they like, want a peacekeeper. Yeah, and they not like <laughs> <usually> Batman. <laughs> exactly, and so when they didn't listen, it like totally fell apart. Yeah. And so this is going to be a time when. They're so used to their licenses, licensing things they've done the same way. That's always worked for them. But this is not that. Like, these tabletop RPGs, especially D&D, like, culturally is a whole different animal. The big win is going to be for creators. Because mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people who pause their projects because they weren't sure if they were going to go through with this. Yeah. Um, but now with the SRD in the Creative Commons, mm -hmm. um, the system rules document, uh, and it sounds like everything being done to not deauthorize the OGL, just to leave it alone, will be great for third-party creators, which is one of the biggest factors of pushback. Yeah, but although, like, as we've already seen, like, Pathfinder is doing very, very well right now. What? It's, like, already a determined from... Great segue! Um, well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, the big news that is coming here um, next for uh, us today is Pathfinder is selling like crazy. Yeah. Um, six months of books. Let me pull this up. I thought you said eight Let me months. Pull this up. Um, is it eight months? Oh my, it might be eight months. Six to eight months of books. Guys. Eight month supply of the Pathfinder 2E core rule book in the last two weeks is, is what they've moved through. In two weeks, they moved through eight months supply of books. How much of this do you think was fueled by OGL? <clears throat> well, there is this idea that if the OGL is deauthorized, that these books, um, would then fall under that. Mm -hmm. So there was, while it was in, um, Limbo, a lot of people were selling like a, a, almost a 5e fire sale mm -hmm. because, or an OG fire sale. Because if the OGL gets the authorized and then this falls under it, mm -hmm. <clears throat> people aren't going to want to sell it. People are going to want to buy it. Right. Um, and so Pathfinder 2e doesn't, you know, there's a little bit that's part of the OGL. Um, and I think they're going to be changing that in future editions. But it's also a great opportunity because everyone wants to support another game. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Paizo made a great move. Mm -hmm. Um so many people are interested in exploring it. And then you're seeing a lot of talk of people like, new game systems. Yeah. And it's really cool. Well, I think like once we get to a certain point of a 
uh, media medium reaching a certain kind of zenith, right? And I think we're seeing yeah. that with this OGL coming out, like the need for like this, like kind of like capitalist, like monetization, yeah. and also like more generic things, like the D and D movie, and seeing like D and D being sponsored on nerds. It's like yeah. the, the next thing that follows that is like a hunger for an expansion of that just like there's expansions of game packs it's like you, people want more once they understand this game space and this mind space and pathfinder is notorious for being able to put out a lot of content mm -hmm. they put out um uh tons of adventure paths settings guidebooks all every year i think they put out maybe <clears throat> eight or ten is there a specific reason for that is it like their team or their team like i mean they have i mean uh, well their 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 writers are unionized mm -hmm. um and so that's also a big differentiator in the space because right. not, you know they're you know uh, watsi isn't and neither mm -hmm. is hasbro but um i think it's because they have an appetite and they have a you know rabid fan base you know if you ever talk to someone that loves pathfinder they'll tell you why pathfinder is great yeah um and I think that has something to do with it. Like, they want content. Yeah. Um, and so I think the fact that they're releasing so much, um, you know, uh, product is yeah. also going to be, like, a huge advantage for them. Or all the, have all the releases been, like, of a similar quality? Do you think they're, like... <clears throat> no, there's... there's So they'll do, like, individual books, and then, mm -hmm. like, they'll combine those books into, like, a, another book. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, Adventure Pass. Um, and then they're, like, oh, here's the whole collection of them. So but they have these huge uh, ones that they've taken from Pathfinder 1E, and they've upgraded it to TUI. And then they have some originals. Then they have, like, hey, here's, um, you know, uh, the Lost Omens guidebook, which is, you know, uh, part of the setting. And they have another one that um, is, like, the uh, – uh, what is it called? Um, not Abomination Vaults. I don't know off the top of my head. But <clears throat> these are not only setting guides, but they also have new characters. Uh, they also have new, um, uh, like, ancestry choices for building your character. So they're giving a lot of content, and that's the big thing that Wizards has always kind of been, yeah. um, you know, chastised for is they're not putting out enough content, and the content they are is just like not the same quality. This is the differentiation for all you book nerds out there between your George R. R. Martins and your Brandon Sanderson's, <coughs> all right? Yeah, okay, that's actually <laughs> such a great, yeah. Brandon Sanderson is the Pathfinder. Of, yes, of, just uh, yeah. prolific, and he has like a collaborative kind of uh, content. Uh, authoring style as well, right? Yeah. Like there are other people that contribute to his Stormlight Archive series or help plan it out oh. or something. I forget what it is. I wouldn't be surprised. Don't call me the on Cosmere. <laughs> yes, yeah. the Cosmere. Yeah. Like it's not just him. Like he, like there's like a team of people and kind of like what he did for the Wheel of Time where like, yeah. you know, it was handed off to him. He's just prolific and it's like a collaborative process of George R. R. Martin like slowly wasting away <laughs> in New Mexico just like I can't finish it. <laughs> um, Oh, well, then that brings us to our last piece of news of the day. Um, speaking of, um, you know, of, of television and movies, you know, yes. there's, there's, I think, Mistborn got a TV deal. Oh. Um, oh. You know, George R. Martin, he obviously has many TV deals. But Critical Role landed their second animation deal. I'm so excited. Um, are, you, are you watching Vox Machina? Um, of course I am. Okay. I haven't actually caught up to the latest one, so I can't even give you spoilers. I don't got any. Yeah. <laughs> but... but I actually, when the first season of Vox Machina came out, you know, you're always a little wary, right? When like another medium tackles another medium, especially something like tabletop RPG, where it's like, this is very hard. Like, yeah. you know, that's why I'm a little worried about the D&D movie, because it's like the cool stuff doesn't happen in an hour. It happens yeah. across like an entire, you know, four hour sessions that you're playing across months at a time. So how do you, you know, uh, consolidate that and refine it into something that like feels really qualitative is that the right word i'm saying anyways i heard them talking a lot about how hard it was to like strip out so much content right. to make a 30 minute episode but they did so well yeah and i think 
you know, similarly to Brandon Sanderson, they did the world building aspect of it really well. And it yeah. still felt D&D in terms of like different magic belongs to different things. I remember watching the behind the scenes of like the or the making of Vox Machina as well. And they talk about like how they really wanted to like visually differentiate between like the kind of magic that like Keyleth uses as opposed yeah. to like what Pike uses. And that kind of helps you make sense of the world mm-hmm. that you're in. <clears throat> and I just think it's fantastic. It's fun. It's hilarious. Like it's meaningful like the animation looks great like, yeah not a spoiler everybody knows probably like the dragons that are coming in the first episode incredible oh incredible yeah incredible design and the thing is uh i believe they they won't be um there's a third season coming for mm. vox machina yeah so they're going to and I, it sounds like they didn't feel they would have enough time to do the entire um chroma conclave mm-hmm. in once in one season yeah so it sounds like this could bleed into season three mm-hmm. also set up there's some questions though, like how's Vecna gonna be part of this? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but regardless, there's a whole nother show they're doing now. Yeah. Like there's still more seasons of Critical Role that they have to make yeah. of Vox Machina. But now Mighty Nine, that's the new series. It's gonna show up, um, and I'm wondering. Uh, we don't know if they're gonna be in tandem yet. Um, I mean, if it just date. got announced, yeah. I would assume it's years out. Uh, yeah, especially I mean, animation. Well. That depends because there's probably a lot more money behind it now and a lot more support from Amazon as this is their second yeah. going at it. So it may get turned out a little bit quicker. We shall see. But um, I'm really excited for the Mighty Nine. I like I, I think I know like a lot of people have a special yeah. place in their hearts for Vox Machina, but I really think Mighty Nine is kind of where a lot of them found their stride yeah. and like really like figured it out, figured out how to stream, figured out how to build a character, figured out how to like perform that character in a story. So I'm so excited for that. Here's something to, to, to take away. Um, <clears throat> they got another show. Um, D&D, Wizard of the Coast, says they have around 40 million uh, fans uh, of, of D&D. Yeah. And that's, that's from like they think of players, they think of this. We know that D&D Beyond has around 10 million users, okay. right? So taking into this number, um, and then thinking about Critical Role. Critical Role, uh, I, I, I don't know what their average, um, uh, but it, they, don't have, they don't have a million average watchers, I believe. I don't think they have a million concurrent. I'm not sure what they're... Um, let's see. Uh, concurrent um, Critical Role viewership. Let's see. <clears throat> um, around 33,000 concurrent. Mm-hmm. So... That must mean that the Critical Role television show is doing massive. Because if you mm. think about like the highest viewership, uh, MASH, 105 million people watched the MASH finale. Are we right? done like the 70s? Yeah, right in the <laughs> 70s. So I'm try- I don't we don't know the view. I don't know what the viewership is right now. Yeah. But there must be so much that like yes, we're actually gonna start another series. They're thinking to saturate, right? Yeah. And that means that viewership is good. Uh, I mean, Amazon also just might be making a smart move in terms of, like, be the home for tabletop RPG fans. This is, like, the new growing thing. This is what a lot of, like, newer content creators are doing. So they might just have their finger on the pulse in terms of, like, creating the home base for that. Because if you're going to back your money behind any franchise, it's going to be Critical Role. And I do think it's accessible to people who don't play D&D. Like, I know a lot of people who don't play D&D and watch that show and thought it was wonderful. So I think they're probably... Yeah, I think they're probably just trying to capitalize on, like, what's coming next. Yeah. Now, uh, let's see. Parrot Analytics has found that the audience demand for Critical Role Legends of Vox Machina was, is 1.2 times the demand of the average TV series in the United States in the last 30 days. Um, and so I don't know where Parrot's getting this data, but I think it looks like it's using a lot of Twitter analytics, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, there's definitely yeah. a big <laughs> top presence. Um, 
but I would love to know like, hey, how, you know, what is the viewership like for this? Um, but good enough to get us, uh, not a second season, to get a second show. But you also have to think of this in terms of like, it could just be one of those things where like it's a fan base that puts their money their, where their mouth is. Yep. Like how, you know, capitalism likes to invest in teenage girls because they're very reliable income source. Yep. <laughs> and it's probably, I would assume that tabletop RPG people are a put their money where their mouth is kind of fans. Yeah. And so they showed up and like the name of the game and streaming right now is getting people to stay yeah <laughs> and and uh, you know th all streamers are always looking for an ip they can attach to and grow from yeah um so you know I, that's gonna be a big part of it too but hey listen congratulations to the whole entire critical role team Fuck for yeah, getting a second show that's gonna be released in tandem that's a, that's incredible yeah. i'm so proud of them um uh but hey that's the big news uh it's yeah. been about 10 minutes this is 10 minutes of tabletop news thanks for joining me I hope you Kulik. enjoyed it if you did like it let us know and then maybe we might come back next week and do a little bit more there's always mm. news to be had uh thanks so much remember don't burn down the tavern <laughs>